Are you looking for practical ministry help to inform and inspire your leadership? Do you have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of other leaders in pursuit of stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, presented by CDF Capital, helping churches grow. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad to have you tuned in today. You know, every week we bring you a leader who will both inspire and equip you. And today is no exception. Excited to have my new friend Kaylee Estes with us. She was the Connections Pastor at a fantastic church in Colorado. Restoration uh, Community Church, a fantastic church. You're going to want to be following along with them. Uh, Kaylee was a Connections Pastor there, which is a fantastic part of, uh, you know, the church as we're trying to get people plugged in. Something we love to talk about. Kaylee, welcome to the show. So glad you're here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, why don't you tell us about the kind of scope of the connections role? Um, what was that? That looks can look a little bit different at, at, at churches. So talk to us about what that you know looks like. Yeah, it definitely looks different at all churches. So at Restoration, the role was uh, twofold. The biggest portion of my role was overseeing our small groups and groups ministry. Mm-hmm. And then I also oversaw all of our um, first impressions, assimilation, that sort of thing as well. Mm. Nice. Okay. And the, to kind of tell us about, uh, restoration a little bit, like give us a sense of the, you know, just the kind of style of ministry yeah. and how, how did small groups fit into that? Just, you know, kind of fill out the picture a little sure, bit for folks that wouldn't know. So restoration is a non-denominational church and they are mm-hmm. fantastic. They really emphasize excellence and they also emphasize, um, Bible knowledge and really understanding what our faith looks like as well as making sure that we are growing and that um, we are also evangelizing, making sure that we're going out to our city and and telling people about us. So small groups was a pretty integral uh, piece for that. When I got started, though, Mm -hmm. they um, did not have anybody overseeing small groups. So Mm -hmm. I came on board and I got to really, um, you know, jumpstart their ministry there. and, And it was really cool because I was able to try a lot of new things and what didn't work, mm. I, you know, threw out the window and kept going and tried new things. And by the end of the three years that I was their connections pastor, I ended up tripling their their group's numbers. And it was just a really thriving ministry. So it was really Fantastic. fun. Very cool. Well, I know from previous conversations as we've been connecting, getting ready for today, that um, I'm really excited to have you on because this is one of those topics, it's hard to believe, I think we're 600 episodes in, and this could actually maybe be uh, germane to the problem. Uh, we're almost 600 episodes in and I don't think we've had this conversation, <laughs> which is, uh, and so I come confessing to you, my pastor, that we haven't talked about this issue that we should be, which is really the whole area of how we create space for single people in our churches. And I think so many times our churches are built around either couples or built around families. And I know you've got some passion in this area, um, let's just start at kind of a broad level. Why should churches be worrying about thinking about uh, creating a space for uh, single folks uh, in, in their community? Yeah. So personally, this has become a passion of mine because I am single, have been single, unmarried, um, 40 years old. So it's mm-hmm. been a while now, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but wouldn't change it, to be honest. And, but in Mm. a broader sense, the reason why it's become such a passion of mine is that more and more people are single in our churches and it's from Mm. a few different aspects. So there's, there's the fact that our younger generations are waiting longer to get married. 
And so therefore, we're going to have more single people because of that. And then also on the flip side of that, we have, you know, our divorce rates continue to increase. And so we have more people who are divorced. And so then they're single. And then as people continue to um, increase their uh, lifespans, we're going to see more and more widows and widowers. So across mm. all age age gaps or age spans, we're going to see more and more singles, um, unfortunately, or fortunately, either way, um, mm -hmm. coming into our church or that we can go and um, evangelize to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. You know, I know um, I saw this chart once that was fascinating. It was looking at the age of the first marriage of it was it was men um, over a hundred years mm -hmm. and you know the interesting thing about this chart was and maybe I'll find it and put it in the show notes was if you look back a hundred years ago um, the average because of life expectancy was much lower um, people were getting married in the last third of their life well that because of life expectancy has gone up that has even though in the last say 20 years, we would say people are getting married later, they're actually getting married in the percentage of their life way earlier, yeah. which has this interesting kind of, you know, when you talk about widows on the back end, there's interesting, interesting stuff there. Yep. So let's, let's dig in. Um, we've got, you know, a few thousand uh, church leaders listening in and what would be, where do we need to start when we're thinking about how do we create space for single people? How, wh what are we doing? What do you see in churches that are like, Ooh, that's like a, a problem, like a, either whether it's quick fixes or stuff that we should be thinking about, um, you know, how do we create a better, a better community, uh, feeling for folks who, uh, aren't, aren't married for whatever reason. Yeah, exactly. I think that, first of all, I think that a lot of times churches try to find some big fix, like how can we have a paradigm mm. shift or how can we do, which is great in a lot of, in a lot of areas. But I think that just some of the, the key starting points, um, the three that I have identified are actually really subtle and really simple. And the first mm. one is really the language that you're using surrounding your groups or your ministry names. So a mm. lot of times people say, oh, well, we have a singles ministry or we're going to mm. create a bunch of singles groups for our singles. And so then they'll be able to gather mm. and you know, hang out with each other, which is a good intention, right? That's a great intention. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. However, for me pers personally, um, and a lot of people I've talked to, we can't stand it <laughs> when you put singles in a name. <laughs> we just can't. Sure, because sure. the moment you do that, you've now created like this pressure or this, um, this perceived assumption that everybody in that group or that ministry is wanting to date and that that's a dating pool. Mm. And for okay, a variety okay. of reasons, there could be people in there who don't want to date. Um, they could mm -hmm. be just feeling like they need a season of, of singleness. They could be um, right after a divorce. They could have gone through a really hard um, season of depression or addiction, and they're just needing to kind of come out of that. Whatever the reason, they may not want to be mm -hmm. put into a forced pressure situation where all of a sudden everybody who's there knows that we're all singles and we all may want to date. <laughs> so, you know, we have mm. apps for that. We don't need that in church. <laughs> sure. and then, yeah. Isn't that funny? That That's an interesting um, phenomenon I've definitely seen where it's like any, anytime we identify something as a singles uh -huh. event, the assumption is that's a bunch of people who are not wanting to be single, yeah. which is a funny, that's, yeah. a, that's an odd kind of cultural thing for sure. Yeah. Well, and part of that is, um, you know, 
for whatever reason, historically, um, the church sees singleness as a waiting period before you get married. And so there's this assumption that every single person wants to get married and wants to get married right now. And, you know, Mm. honestly, that's just not true for, again, variety of reasons. And um, like I said, for the younger generations, it's just not true because they're waiting. They're wanting to um, Mm -hmm. experience life, work on their careers, go travel, do whatever they're wanting to do. And so they're waiting to get married. Um, So, Mm -hmm. yeah, but what I, so what I did um, as a connections pastor Mm -hmm. is I made sure I intentionally made sure that we did not put the word singles anywhere. And so Mm -hmm. um, when we had groups that started and I had someone who would come to me and say, Hey, I want to start a singles group. I'd go, great. That sounds wonderful. We're not going to put the word singles in it. Um, you can, mm. you know, call it the wash park group, you, which is a location in Denver. You can call it, you know, the 30 somethings group, whatever you want to call it. Um, just don't put the word singles in there and you can make it co-ed if you want mm. to, because the truth mm. is, is that when you get a bunch of people in a room, whether it's a small group or a larger social ministry, people who are single are going to find each other just like people who are married mm. are going to find each other. So we don't, <laughs> we don't need people telling us what to do. We're, we're grown adults. We know what to do. And mm, the other reason for me too, as a pastor is I really want to keep that small group kind of sacred in a way because the small mm. group specifically, you know, that's where we're supposed to come together as a community and grow and hold each other accountable and learn and, and develop deeper relationship with God and spiritual rhythms and that sort of thing. And so I don't want people walking into a small group thinking, oh, who am I going to date from this small group? Like that just kind of weirds me out, to be honest. (laughs) Sure, sure, totally. So now have you found as a connections pastor, there does seem to be two general schools of thought or two general approaches that churches take. One are kind of affinity-based groups that do that would lend themselves to the kind of like singles group or there's the like yeah. 30-somethings with kids group or there's the like 40-somethings bald guys who like technology group, which would be mine. Um, or, or there's the or there's the the kind of geographically based groups that are more like, hey, let's be in like you mentioned, uh, you know, a particular neighborhood. From a, a single perspective, is it better to lean more towards the the kind of community based? Is that is that a better more welcoming environment or can it work in both approaches? Honestly, I think it can work in both approaches. I think if you're a bigger church, Mm -hmm. then you have a lot more opportunity to do everything, right? Because Mm -hmm. if you have a bigger church, then you're going to have the people who are wanting to go and ride bikes forever and there's going to be singles or marrieds. And then there's going to be people who want to be in the Mm -hmm. geographic location and so on and so forth. And so bigger churches have a lot more flexibility. Um, If you're a smaller Mm -hmm. church, I like um, restoration is, uh, we see about 400 people on a weekend. Mm-hmm. You you really do need to think a little bit more broad just because you don't mm-hmm. want to isolate singles and you also don't want to pigeonhole them. And so mm-hmm. you want to think more on the terms of a geographic location or broad age groups, so 30-somethings or young adults or um, you know mid-professionals or something like that where it's a little bit right. broader right. but you also don't mm-hmm. want it to be so broad that you end up with some 20s and 40s and 60s because right. yes they can get along i'm not saying they can't <laughs> please hear me there <laughs> and yes they can have fun mm-hmm. i have mentors who are older than me and i mentor younger people mm-hmm. so um i'm not saying mm-hmm. that but like i said you get a bunch of single people in a room and they're going to be looking for 
someone else potentially, maybe not right now, but maybe mm-hmm. someday down the road mm-hmm. if and if and when they want to get married. And so you don't want to put mm-hmm. 20s and 40s and 60s together because a 20-year-old does not need to be dating a 60-year-old and vice versa. Um, so you right. do want to kind of keep some boundaries in there. Okay, very cool. So you said there were there were a number of things. Yeah. So I, I get this, our language, totally understand that. What else should we be thinking about? So another thing that's really simple for um, lead pastors for sure, but then also anybody who does social media marketing or any sort of communication coming from the church is also a language thing. So it's changing um, your stories, your metaphors, your examples, those Mm. sorts of things. So a lot of lead pastors, not all, but a lot of them are married. And so by default, they will share stories from their marriage or from a marital perspective, which again, I totally understand and I get because that is Mm -hmm. easy for them. And also Jesus used a lot of marriage metaphors. So I I truly do understand Mm -hmm. that. But again, there's more and more single people in our church. And so it's harder for mm-hmm. a single person to hear a marriage story or a marriage metaphor and switch that into, well, what does that look like for me as a single person? However, if you mm-hmm. share a story that's more um, relationally neutral, so you talk about friends or you talk about coworkers or whatever, then that married person can put themselves into that pretty fast, especially if you're talking about friends, because typically mm-hmm. your spouse is one of your friends. And so you'll just automatically think, oh, well, I'll just grab my spouse and go do X, Y, Z. A simple one that I'm thinking about is a lot of times pastors like to talk about, um, you know, being a good neighbor. And so inviting neighbors over for dinner with your spouse. Right. Mm -hmm. And so Mm. um, that happens a lot. I hear that one a lot. And that's great. But again, for a lot of people who have roommates who are single, who are living by themselves, like they don't have a spouse. And so Mm -hmm. if we can say things like, hey, go grab one of your friends or go grab your roommate and invite your neighbors over for dinner or um, go play games with them, you know, game nights are super fun or whatever it is, then that again, that married Mm -hmm. person can put themselves into that story really, really easily. And so it Mm -hmm. makes it a little bit more, um, a, a little bit easier for the single person to be invited into that conversation and not feel ostracized, mm. which is usually what ends up happening. Love it. And so similarly with social media, with um, other sorts of, you know, communication again, make sure that you're using examples that are, I guess, single friendly for lack of a better term. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But no, that's always good. grab stories from, you know, the couples, the marrieds, the, the couples with kids, you know, whatever. Also try and grab stories from single people, you know, how are single people um, stewarding their finances well? How are single people Mm -hmm. reaching their communities? And again, that single person could be a widowed 42-year-old. It could be a divorced Mm -hmm. 64-year-old. It could be a never married 23-year-old. But getting those Mm -hmm. different perspectives, um, again, helps those people not feel ostracized, not feel like they're on the outside. Because there is plenty of messaging within a church talking about marrieds and families. <laughs> and I always put families in quotations because that's usually ass- assuming that it's a married person with children. <laughs> and there's a lot yes, of different yes, families yes. out there. <laughs> yeah, the definition of family is pretty broad in most of our communities, right? Yeah. And, and we often do just portray family as mom and a dad and kids, right? And that's, you know, that's not necessarily the case for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think that's a great coaching around, you know, the language we use. And it's a good reminder that, you know, we've seen this in other contexts, other podcasts that we've done that 
particularly as the church grows, uh, teaching the kind of weekend teaching, preaching, whatever that's called at your church becomes a team effort that there's like multiple people contributing to that message and ensuring that someone who is single or at least has that hat on is thinking about it from a single perspective would be very helpful to be like, Hey, there's, you know, there are probably some simple ways we could tweak this that, that are not going to take any problems. It's not going to, it's not going to take away the messaging for people who are married with kids, but could really open up the door a little bit more for single folks. Yeah. And I'm actually really glad you brought that up because one of the things that restoration did that I thought was really excellent is that, um, they had me as a single female (laughs) on their Mm -hmm. teaching team calls. And so, Mm -hmm. We had, like you said, a variety of people teaching and I would be on those calls mm-hmm. every single week. And it was really just so that I could sit there and say the things that you're just now saying. So I could sit there and say, oh, hey, like you just talked a lot about marriage. Like, can you please do do something that's not about marriage? Mm-hmm. Because people like me are just going to shut down because we're not there yet and we may never be. So um, ha- yeah. just finding that person that, that you trust theologically, that you trust their opinion and asking them to be in those calls or in those meetings is a really simple, easy way to make sure that when you're structuring your series, when you're structuring mm-hmm. your messages, you have someone kind of checking, checking that out for you. Yeah, I love that. Are there other areas where you could see that engaging a single, you know, like you say, a trusted leader who's single, um, are there other areas where you could say, Hey, this would be a good place to just bring them in the room and ask questions yeah. and, and explore. There's some other examples of that. The teaching one seems like a really obvious one yep. to me. I'm like, Oh yeah, of course. That's like such a win. Are there other, you know, aspects of our design of our experiences or, yeah. you know, those kind of things that would be really helpful. You think to be honest, the short and easy answer is invite them everywhere. <laughs> Because, <laughs> sure, sure. Yes. because here's the thing, like a lot of times people make a lot of assumptions about singles instead of just asking the singles, mm-hmm. what do you want to do or how can I support mm-hmm. you? And so mm-hmm. no matter what the area is, whether it's your, your kids ministry, whether it's your students ministry, your, if you have college your college ministry, your first impressions, greeters, whatever it is, just ask, ask them, you know, what, what can we do better for you or what do you want to do? Um, You know, I have an example where we had a young lady, we had a college that's really close to our church and we had a young lady who came in and, and said, oh, I really want to serve. And so she, uh, the person, my colleague immediately put her on the greeting team and said, great, we need greeters. Let's put you on the greeting team. She's like, great. Okay. So she starts greeting. Well, about three months later, she comes up to us and says, you know, I'm really shy and I can't stand greeting. I actually really want to do the tech team. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and sure. We're like, yes. yes, we need people in the tech team. We always do. Right. So yes. we immediately switched her over. And that was, that ended up being a positive experience because she was brave enough to come and talk to us. But a lot of times people just get irritated and they get angry. And um, to be honest, sometimes they leave the church because they're like, wow, you didn't even ask. You just assumed. And, um, that was a a nice story because the assumption was also greeting, but to be honest, a lot of times for female singles, the assumption is, let me put you in kids. And I Mm. just personally, that one (laughs) ruffles my feathers because I, um, I don't always want to assume that anyone wants to be with our children. And also we want people who are with our children who are excited to be with our kids. Right. We don't want like, Mm -hmm, quote unquote, mm -hmm. second tier. And I'm not saying singles are second tier or or parents Mm -hmm. are. I'm just saying when you just automatically assume, oh, well, we need help here. So I'm just going to put you here. 
that that's not sure. the best way to build any ministry, to be honest. Um, so really just asking questions. And also another thing that I see happen a lot, and I literally have had colleagues say this to me, is they start asking single per- people to do multiple serving opportunities. So, oh, you're mm. leading a small group? Great. Then that means that you can be... Um, you know, a communion lead, or you can be a first impressions lead. And oh, also, we're going to need help at parents night out. So you're going to help with that, too. And they just start heaping things on. And I've literally turned to my colleagues and been like, what are you doing? They're going to be burnt out and overwhelmed. And their response is, well, they're single, they have plenty of time. And again, that one drives me crazy. (laughs) But it's because (laughs) just because we're single doesn't mean that we have tons of time, right? Like, yes, we do have some time that is more than a married person because we're not investing in that marriage that married people are investing in. And we absolutely Mm -hmm. have more time than parents do. Uh, Hands down, Mm -hmm. parents, I just bow to you all. (laughs) But, um, (laughs) But as singles, we do have things that we're doing. We have jobs just like everyone else. We make plans. We have friends and relationships that we're trying to cultivate. And if we are choosing to date, well, then we're spending time dating and developing those relationships as well. And so Mm -hmm. you don't want to burn your singles out. And so don't just automatically assume that they're going to do two or three or four things. You know, really ask them, ask them what they want to do, ask them how they can be supported, ask them if they want to potentially, you know, be on an advisory board or something like that to help, you know, make sure that your social media is more friendly to singles, that sort of thing. But just ask questions. Mm -hmm. It's really simple. And we really appreciate it when we get asked. Love it. That's so good. That's uh, so helpful. When you think about um, this, you know, I'm sure that you've bumped into churches that are like super pro, you know, singles. They're like, hey, this is a great, you know, this is a great thing. And then it's almost like you can you can smell it from a mile away. You walk into a church and you're like, oh, this just is not, this is not a great. Yeah you know, place for singles, what would be, you know, two or three of those things on the negative side? You've been so positive today. You're a positive and uplifting, encouraging person. What would be some of those things that you as a single leader, uh, you know, you sit in a really unique spot, you're both single and you're a leader in, in the church that you can just pick out quickly. Like, man, you, we need to stop. We need to avoid these things, uh, because they just single folks can smell it from a mile away. You know, when you walk into a building, or um, Mm -hmm. walk into the foyer or whatever, and all you see are pictures of couples and kids, then Mm. immediately you're like, oh, great, here we go. Because Mm. that right there, right? Imagery can set the tone for culture super fast. And so Mm. that one's a Mm -hmm. big glaring one for me. Like, it's also Mm. a big glaring one for me for, you know, um, showing different ages. Like, just put a variety of people in your pictures. And that goes for your social Mm -hmm. media, because a lot of times the quote unquote front door is not walking into the building, but it's going onto social media and it's looking there. So for me, that's a big glaring one. And then also, um, I would say just, again, it's, it's your messaging, it's your language. So if someone sits in and on their very first sermon, whether it's in person or they're listening to it online, and you don't have mm-hmm. any examples that include a single person or a single person's perspective, then a red flag, red flag, red flag. Um, right. And it just it's Love just it. one of those things where you just really have to be 
as aware as you possibly can. And I know it's hard from when you're married, but um, yeah, you just really do have to work on it. Love it. So helpful. Um, as we're kind of coming down to land today's episode, anything else you'd like to share with us as we kind of wrap up today's uh, conversation? Um, I just think bottom line, I just want people to know that, you know, singles a lot of times get a, a bad rap as being selfish or, or being um, self-centered or whatever, because we, we do cry out like this. <laughs> Um, but, <laughs> but honestly, it's just because we want to be seen, we want to be heard and we mm-hmm. want to be known. And mm-hmm. so that's the simplest thing again, is just go and engage the single people in your church and just talk to them yeah. because that's really all we're desperately wanting. Love it. This has been so helpful. I really appreciate you, uh, you know, being here today and helping us think through these issues. You've been uh, so helpful for us as we wrestle through this issue, and and hopefully it's been encouraging for you listeners as you've been listening in. If people uh, if people want to get in touch with you, kind of track with you on social media or any of that stuff, where do we want to send them online? Where's the best place for them to uh, to connect? Yeah, they can find me on Instagram. Um, I think my mm-hmm. Instagram handle. I know I should know this, but I think it's three o three Kaylee. And so yeah, go Great. ahead. Find me on Instagram. Um, I'm starting a blog. And so you'll start hearing more from me. And yeah, I'd love to have any of you there and, and engage with you there. So please do. Perfect. Thanks, Kaylee. I appreciate you being on the show today. Thank you so yeah, much. Thank you so much, Rich. Thanks for tuning in to the Unseminary Podcast. Drop by unseminary.com for more helpful resources for you and your team. There you will find articles, online courses, and so much more. Unseminary, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Presented by CDF Capital. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary.